The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. light is flashing and uh usually that's a bad thing no it means the recorder is going that's a good thing in, in my uh, experience that's been a bad thing i guess so but this good this is a good red light this this red light is your friend <laughs> <laughs> see that's what got me into the problem with the flashing red light in the first place <laughs> i see yeah i guess there must be a story there huh the light is your friend please in the yes, and, that and check is like, in the mail and Talk to the hand. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to uh, episode number 47 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on Wednesday evening, September 19th, and... uh, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a very busy time. Are out and about around the virtual hangar. I know I'm pretty busy. I know, Jeb. I guess you're pretty busy still with your move and everything, and uh, and others. Busy. But uh, I don't know. We're going to talk about the change in seasons maybe as the night progresses. Let's say hi to changes. Let's say hi to the other folks here in the virtual hangar. Uh, hi, Dave. Dave is a uh, Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, a senior editor for Kit Planes magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales magazine. And he's joining us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jack. Hi, Jeb. Hi, folks. Hope somebody's getting some airtime because I'm not getting enough. So, are the seasons yeah. changing out there yet? Are you noticing that it's becoming fall? Well, uh, last week. We had uh, we had two or three days of a distinctively fall nature, like overnight lows of 43 and 51, and uh, highs the next day that barely got into the 70s, and pretty good winds. The only thing that was missing was the smell of fall. Mm-hmm. You know, the, when you get the decaying leaves, there's a there's an aroma that goes with that that yeah. always you know reminds me of cemeteries and headless horsemen and pumpkins and Halloween and stuff. that's right you know a couple of times recently I've stepped out out of the house and uh, just kind of taking a, a deep breath of the air it feels like fall and it made me think of Halloween and and that kind of thing it's uh, the leaves have definitely changed up here and uh, they're falling from the trees when I go up north in New Hampshire they've definitely changed and down here in Greater Boston they're they're changing as well so so it's we turning. It's turning into fall. That yet. It's turning into fall, but uh, yeah. but but not speaking of fall. I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> how's that for a clumsy trend, transition, huh? Pretty clumsy. Segway is not your middle name. Well, no. Uh, Jeb Burnside is uh, an aviation journalist. Uh, he's also currently serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine, and also as a contributing editor to Avweb Biz. And he's talking to us from his new home base in Sarasota, Florida, where they, where they don't have seasons. Or well, do, we do have or do they? I don't even know if we not, can ask you about this. Oh, you just sure, moved man, they there. got oregano, know? they got garlic, <laughs> they got uh, <laughs> they got they got thunderstorms, they got hurricanes, they got all kinds oh, of yeah, seasons, man. Right? Tornadoes. We, we, don't, so we don't have fall yet. Uh-huh. Uh, quite honestly, um, we have maybe lost you know six or eight degrees here over the last week or so. It, it was it's. Very nice, actually. I'm I'm very pleased with with uh, the weather down here so far. Um, it, the humidity's dropped. There's a breeze. Um, it's a, it's cooler, much cooler than it was for me on Labor Day weekend, for example. Uh, I can do this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can definitely do this. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if there are seasons. When I lived in California, people always okay. used to say, you know, well, there's no seasons. You know, and, but, and, and certainly the first year or so that you're out there after having living in, yeah. lived in New England, you don't really – it feels the same. But after a few years, it's a very subtle change. But there are definitely changes in the, in the climate seasonally um, in that area. I bet there is down there as well. And, yeah, I, I was kind of – complaining for a, a polite podcast uh, allowed term to an acquaintance of mine uh, about <laughs> the weather and and um, the response was well you know wait a little bit later maybe October the first cold front comes through and you know the humidity blows out 
Uh, the air is crystal clear. The sun is shining. There's not a cloud in the sky. And um, that's when it's all worthwhile. It's like, do you happen to have the date and time when that happens? <laughs> uh, but, patience, uh, grasshopper. Patience. Patience, patience, grasshopper. Yeah. But but it's the last week or so has, has been absolutely delightful. The weekend was great. Um, We've we've been getting a for my taste a little bit too much rain, but uh, yesterday, uh, you know, riding a motorcycle to and from work, I was able to uh, uh, put a jacket on for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, motorcycle jacket as it were. But uh, I didn't need it for the temperature. Uh, but it was before that it was just too hot, even in the mornings and too hot and muggy to really put a jacket on, or just sweat would be pouring off of you. So. That, that'll be back. That'll be back right around. Oh. Uh, It'll be back April, uh, May. Valentine's. Yeah, well, not Valentine's. <laughs> April, May. Mm-hmm. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll be back. Yeah. It'll be. But in but in the meantime, I cannot wait until February when we record those podcasts and we have our. Oh yeah. <laughs> we have our introductory weather conversation. That's I right. cannot wait for those. <laughs> Episode. All right. Well, we'll see whether you're still involved with this thing by then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to kick me off. Yeah, really. If you're going to like... You're, I, haven't, you're gonna, I haven't voted anybody out of the hangar yet. No, we yes. haven't. I, yeah, we'll probably keep them around. I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, there he freelance is. writer, and a new media producer up here in Boston, Massachusetts. Well, we have There's to be no Jack careful. H like our Jack H. We have to be very careful. Um, yeah. Don't know who's listening. When we introduce each other in this podcast, and someone says, "Hi, Jack," yeah, we, we just you know an aviation podcast, and we just have to be very careful in That's this true. in this day and time. You know how everything has changed. That's right. The the uh, the NSA's voice recognition system that's sniffing everything that goes over the internet may recognize the phrase, you know, the sure. sound of the word "hijack." And uh, oh, um, and then there's carjack and lowjack and hey. The, you know, I'll take Cracker Jack, and uh, <laughs> I'll take new listeners any way we can get them. And, there you and, go. Welcome to well, all I'm our friends from the out NSA. How many jacks we can get in here now? And, and, if, and if any of our friends at the NSA are actually pilots or have an interest in aviation, we hope you'll subscribe through the normal recognized means. There you go. That's right. Just so we can count you. That's right. Yeah, we just want to know you're out there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, we you know we can automatically inflate our count as it is. But, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, uh, we've talked about this in the past, and I'm not sure if it's as relevant this time of year as others, but are there, are there considerations in your flying as the season changes from summer to fall? Are there things you should prepare for, things you should do differently? Uh, there, there, there can be a few things, depending on you know, how quick things change and, and what passes for fall in your hometown. Uh, you know, it might be the time of year when you put a, a restrictor plate over the oil cooler inlet, uh, if it's particularly cool in the morning, because it's going to be cooler at altitude. Uh, if the airplane hadn't flown a lot, uh, during the summer, uh, and you're taking in some, you know, some cooler fall temperatures and scenery to do your flying, uh, you know, you want to be sure and check for all those things that you can check if the airplane's been sitting for a while. Bird's nest on the engine and, uh, uh, you know, straw anywhere that it shouldn't be. And uh, oil tires, all the aileron hinges, the, the flap hinges, all, all the stuff that would really worry you if it just been sitting for a while. Uh, you might want to take a chance to take a little time to shake it down before you go anyplace long if you haven't flown for a while. If you've been flying regular, uh, you know, except for the ten- temperature sensitive things, most of this is moot. You mm-hmm. take care of that on a regular basis anyway. Yeah. 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 I, I, I echo all of that. Um, this time of year, you, you might get lulled into a, what I would call a false sense of security. Um, this this week, for example, is probably not a not an issue, but it won't be long before the weather patterns are, are going to move a little bit more quickly, and uh, um, the the temperature changes might be a little bit more severe than they were, say, a couple of weeks ago, or even this week. Um, you might find yourself uh, picking up some ice at, uh, in October. Not inconceivable. Uh, not inconceivable at all. It's happened to me before. It kind of caught me by surprise, and I wasn't really in that frame of mind 
Uh, I was just kind of grooving on the on the the, the clear air. No whiskey, and, uh, no whiskey glass. What good's the ice? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, the only time so you, I was ever in a small plane that picked up ice was in August. So uh, it's not a. Oh, it's yeah. not. But that was flying over the Rockies. We were kind of in yeah. in harsh situation. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we had got, we had a pretty good little system come through here just a few days ago, uh, that blew up. Uh, southwest of us, down uh, near the Oklahoma-New Mexico border, stretched pretty much up into Nebraska, and uh, in, a, in a scant span of about three hours, uh, it moved a good 110, 115 miles from uh, wow. west See. to east, uh-huh. dumped about three-quarters of an inch of rain on us, brought us 40-mile-an-hour winds gusting to 50s for about a half hour, 45 minutes. Uh, that would not be something fun to run into, mm-hmm. and it, and the funny thing is the ceilings were fairly high, and it and and there wasn't a lot of thunder and lightning. There was a little, uh, but for all general purposes, it didn't look big, bad, and ugly. It was a more benign-looking storm than that, but it it would have kicked your butt if you'd have been up there. And that's that's kind of exactly my point. I mean, uh, yeah. if you're not ready for it, some of these some of these cold fronts, for example, can can really change your local weather uh, much more quickly than you're accustomed during the summer. It's, it's not exactly winter. You might yeah. expect. It's exactly. It's not exactly winter weather, but it is a stark change. You might see a lot of gusts and, and some, some wind uh, direction changes and uh, uh, things like that. So, it, it, But this is nothing new. I mean, you... you Anybody, hopefully, anybody listening to this podcast, and anybody who who is uh, out there flying around, uh, uh, knows these things, knows to stay on their toes, and we're not telling people anything they probably don't already know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, on a little more, a uh, much more uh, somber weather note, Dave, you posted, the, you added the list here, uh, this story about the Scott Crossfield crash. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess they're what they're coming out with the preliminary or the final finding or they're they're. I believe the final is expected. Uh, it was either today or tomorrow, if I remember right. Uh-huh. And what uh, is it we expect they're going to find? Uh, we 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 expect from what's been in the factuals and 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 what they put on the record that they're going to uh, talk about the responsibility, uh, the failure of the controller to proactively share his knowledge of how bad the weather was out ahead of Scotty. Uh, and to a lesser extent, faults Scotty for knowing that he was in gnarly weather and not asking more specific questions. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of telling that uh, Scott's last radio transmission was a request to vector weather. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's the last they heard of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Cessna... Uh, three, I mean, two ten, and if I remember right, his was one of the earlier ones. That it's still a two ten A. Yeah, it it's was a two airplane. I just, I just pulled up the uh, NTSB website and the files on it. The, the, the uh, probable cause finding is not yet released. Uh, that right now they just have the factual um, report up. Um, yeah, Scott's airplane was a two ten A. It was an early uh, model. Uh, still strut braced, uh, basically just an overgrown uh, 182. If if uh, uh, some people out there aren't familiar with the early 210s and Centurions, um, I don't know. You know, nice traveling airplane, Very great nice traveling, traveling airplane, airplane. I, and and, um, and not known for being uh, you know uh, not weak known for unstable. coming apart. Yeah, not right. known for coming apart in the air either. Um, uh, I had the the great pleasure. Uh, I don't want to, you know, steal anybody's thunder here. I had the great pleasure to sit down with Scott uh, back in I think oh four oh five. Yeah, t- um, just uh, for people who aren't familiar, Scott Crossfield, of course, is one of the great legends of aviation. Um, part of that whole gang of Wright stuff people. Uh, uh, that's right. And, he was uh, profiled extensively in, in Tom Wolfe's book. Right. Uh, they didn't deal much with him at all in the movie. So no. if all you're familiar with is the movie, uh, you're missing a hell of a story about Crossfield. Tell us about uh, meeting him, Jeb. Well, I, I, first of all, Scott was the first man to go Mach 2. That's right. Uh, uh, Jaeger, Chuck Jaeger, of course, was the first man to go Mach 1. Scott was the first man to go Mach 2, and arguably the first man to go Mach 3 also. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, 
although he's not officially credited with that, there was a flight where uh, all the data basically said that he he busted that that uh, landmark also. Um, he that was he was a, fifteen, wasn't it? That was. Uh, um, I'm not sure. I think that was a. a uh, well, he, here's the. Uh, actually, the NTSB goes into some detail on this. I'll, I'll just read this paragraph out of the NTSB's report. The pilot formerly was an aeronautical research pilot with the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics (NACA). High speed predecessor to NASA. Correct. High-speed flight station at Edwards Air Force Base, California. Uh, during his five years with the NACA, he flew the X-1, the XF-92, the X-4, the X-5, the Douglas D-558-I, Roman numeral 1, Skystreak, and the Douglas D-558-II, Roman numeral 2, Skyrocket. On November 20, 1953... He became the first human to fly faster than twice the speed of sound in the Douglas D-558 tube skyrocket. From 55 to 1960, he was employed by North American Aviation as the chief engineering test pilot during the development and testing of the X-15 rocket plane. Um, just an amazing career, an amazing individual. I had the the great fortune and... and um, I'll forever remember the opportunity of sitting down in his hangar uh, in Manassas, at the Manassas Airport, where I was based uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, uh, beside his airplane, uh, doing an interview with him. The topic was basically, you know, how you as a pilot, you as a as an engineer, as a as an individual, how would you work with your engineering team, with your flight operations team? to try to ensure a level of safety in what can only be described as the highest risk flying that ever conceived by man. And it was it was a, just an extremely interesting interview. Scott was an extremely interesting individual, um, opinionated to be sure, but um, with the experience to back up those opinions. Mm-hmm. And, we we uh, first met when he was an advisor to... Uh, uh, I think it was Senate uh, House Space House. And Transportation. Yeah, that's that's when I first met him. He was actually a technical advisor to the uh, House Committee on Science and Technology. That's it. Yeah, that's uh, and I met. was I was at NBAA back at that time, and he was he was kind of my beat, if you will. And I you know was in his office on on more than one occasion. Now I don't want our listeners to think that Scott and I were were bosom buddies or anything like that. There were several times when. I would talk to Scott and and uh, be in person or on the phone, and um, the years between such encounters, and I would have to remind him who I was and and what I was doing and, and why I was trying to have a conversation with him. And but he was always gracious and and uh, uh, always remembered, you know, some of the other earlier encounters. Uh, once I reminded him, and and um, just an all around, you know, a uh, good guy to know, and of course, just an icon of aviation. Absolutely. What was it was always his, such a kick seeing him at Oshkosh and seeing his t- 210 tied over at the mm-hmm. Weeks Hangar. And he was just a couple of doors from me in the uh, Super 8. Really? Uh, t- two or three years in a row during Oshkosh. And, uh, you know, he'd park his golf cart out there at the same pedestrian gate where we park our gators and, and scooters. And uh, I, got, I get to tease him a little bit because uh, after a function at guest services several years ago, he... He took my gator and left his. Mine had a full tank of gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I remember him, uh, I guess it was uh, 05, because it pretty much had to have been 05. Uh, yeah. I was walking across that uh, that area, that paved area there that's in front of the AVT building between there and the flight line. And I uh, wasn't paying a whole lot of attention and I looked up, and here's this gator with two or three or four people on it swerving, uh, trying to miss me. And, of course, Scott is at the wheel. Um, and uh, um, it, it was uh, I was like, dude. <laughs> but, uh, uh, great, great, great guy. And the long and the short of it is that Scott was making a trip that he'd made uh, several times before. I mean, he'd owned, it was the only airplane I believe he ever owned. I think uh, that's right. He got he got it uh, well after he retired. His wife finally said, "You know, it's time. You know, you've been talking about this for years. Go find you an airplane." 
and it gave Scotty the excuse to keep up with old friends and stay connected uh, to a lot of the aviation community in a way that I don't think he would have enjoyed as much uh, a flying human mailing tube. Uh, but here's the guy motoring along, and there's a picture on the uh, on the controller screen, and Scott's seeing enough to ask to deviate. And, you know, it's going to come down to a judgment call on the safety board's part, I guess, on whether one party was more responsible than the other. Uh, in my view, if you see it and you haven't heard about it, you got a responsibility to talk about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the other guy might not have picked up on it yet. Yeah. Uh, and that's from either side. I mean, yeah. as, as a guy slogging through some of that kind of uh, weather, similar weather uh, in in September of 2001, uh, it's not much fun. Uh, it's not something that you're going to do twice uh, willingly or knowledgeably. Uh, in my case, uh, a helpful controller was trying to steer me around one cell of weather, and uh, what his screen didn't show was he was steering me into another one that was just mm-hmm. blowing up at the time. Mm-hmm. And we spent a fun 20 minutes going around in circles. Uh, it gave me a 4,000-foot box. That's the kind of air that we had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, and uh, uh, got out of it. It flexed the airplane a little bit. We lost the paint off some rivet heads along the same joint on both wings. Uh, emptied the contents of my flight bag at one point. Uh, but the, the long and the short of it was that the, the, the controller and I were talking about this weather well before he said, no, you'll get around it sooner if you go this way rather than that way. Mm-hmm. And then we continued to have a pretty good running conversation about where he turned me for the next 25 minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know... <laughs> Scott, um, um, in my conversations with Scott, he he clearly was you know one of the more experienced pilots that I'd ever met, um, and uh, he clearly you know uh, uh, knew when he was over his head, and and told me a, a couple of instances where he'd gotten there uh, in yeah. his in his two ten. Yeah. Um, why um, this accident happened? Uh, why it happened as it did? Um, you know, even though the NTSB will come out with a, a probable cause finding, we we really may never know. There will no, still we, always be some questions. We, we uh, can't know exactly. Yeah, and, and whether whether the NTSB finds the greater amount of fault to lie with Scott or with the controller, I know the controller feels like poo poo. Oh, yeah. uh, for his for his role in this, um, um, it's it's just one of those unfortunate things. But but I have to say this. I have to say this. And I was thinking about this earlier when we were when planning uh, getting ready for this episode tonight. Um, I'm reminded of a line from the movie The Right Stuff, and it was two of the the, the Mercury Seven astronaut actors talking. And, and one of them says, hey, you know, be careful. You don't screw the pooch. And someone, the other one said, well, you know, every now and then, or, you know, sometimes you get a pooch that just can't be screwed. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if there's one thing I think I can say about Scott, you know, again, not having known him all that well, <clears throat> but I think uh, he probably went out the way he would want have wanted to go out. He told people that very thing. I, you yeah. know, I, I often wonder about that because because we lose so many great aviation people in crashes, and and it's always tragic. I mean, I, I don't mean to you know, but it, is that the way you want to go as a pilot? You know, I, I don't know. Well, I can't I can't decide. There, there, there's a certain there's a certain antipathy in in me knowing what uh, what. Uh, an accident can do to give flying a black eye, and, mm. and unnecessarily so. Yeah. Uh, the the popular press is is we call it from the trade press perspective, uh, isn't always all that always that good at at uh, handling areas that require a little bit of specialization, speaking a special language, and all that. And, when are they uh, ever good at it? Try. Well, some of them are. Some of them are good at it. Uh, but there's not a lot of them, and they're few and far between. 
and uh, they're vastly outnumbered. Yeah. Uh, but in you know, in terms of some of the other options I can think of. Yeah. Uh, I think it was is, was Scott Crossfield who, who told a friend of his that he'd uh, rather go out in an airplane than in bed. <laughs> well, you know, and that's and that's typical of something that Scott would say. And yeah. and I was sitting here thinking, you know, how I could come up with some witty, humorous line to kind of lighten up this conversation. And I would only say that my way, my preferred way of going out would involve Angelina Jolie. But uh, <laughs> uh, I will, I will shut up on that topic. Um, Moving right along. <laughs> so I'll have you know that I finally have gotten into the swing of this evening recording thing. I have my beer here. So, All well, right, you know, Sam. Three you know, great it's a mar- real hanger session. That's right. Sadly, it's just a Miller Light, but you know, you got to oh, start man. someplace. And right, two and a half lines with one great thought. <laughs> you you got to sip before you guzzle. Why? That's what do you, right. What do you got, Jeb? I have Sam Adams. That's a good one, and and we got to figure that Dave has got what. Linies red. Yeah, of course. I got my Linies red. I like <laughs> the Linies. What was it? The wheat. What was the one that? Uh, we were well, there's. Uh, 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 I don't remember. Let's put it. Yeah, that. it was an unfiltered. <laughs> it, was an unfiltered it was an unfiltered wheat because I've bought it here since uh, we came back from Osh. Yeah. That and was last last week. I had their Oktoberfest, which oh. is really uh, a ni- nice, rich, hoppy little beer. Man, you got a good liquor store there. I'll tell you. I got a great liquor store here, and it's like you know three quarters of a mile. Well, because, so you don't need a designated driver, is what you're saying. Well, uh, see, right. I mean, and, and and even though I'm only having two here, I bring them out to the office with me. The commute from my office to the house, where my wife and dog and dinner are hopefully waiting someday, uh, is, uh, by my best guess, I've never really measured it, but about 40 feet. Yeah. Depends on how much you weave on the way back, right? Well, all I got to do is avoid the patio table uh, and the cor- <laughs> one corner of the house, and uh-huh. I'm, I'm good to go. Well, um, let's see now. I've lost track, but I believe if I've got the date straight, uh, we have someone new sitting in the administrator's chair now. That is correct. Who, who, have, have they named? They must have named an acting. Somebody must be sitting in the chair, or, or have they? How's that work? Well, yeah, that's uh, who we were talking about here was the, the new acting. Uh, uh, who is it? Did I put it? Robert Sturgill. Uh, oh, okay. The, Stur- Sturgill's named acting? I didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah, Sturgill was named acting. He, I, I guess he took over Friday yeah. uh, because by Tuesday he was already dedicating a tower at uh, the new tower at Dulles and uh, announcing a selection of a new chief operating officer for the air traffic organization uh-huh. uh, new face uh-huh. and they're the airline guy uh, Henry Krakowski uh, late of United Airlines where he was he'll be the new chief operating officer of the air traffic service and he starts uh, uh, October 1 mm-hmm. so welcome aboard we hope you're up to it remember that there's a whole lot of us out here that don't fly through the airlines. Yeah. Huh. And uh, speaking of the FAA, um, <laughs> is there been any any news or progress in the uh, reauthorization front? Well, the the uh, I haven't looked today uh, to see what has happened today. Earlier in the week, um, the. Yeah, I think, well, today's Wednesday, obviously, but uh, uh, the report or the news that I had covered or looked at anyway was either Monday or Tuesday. It had said basically the following that uh, the punchline being um, the House bill, H.R. 2881, was scheduled, scheduled for House action, full, full uh, action by the full House on Thursday, tomorrow. That's I don't I know. If, yeah, I don't know if that's still scheduled. It's easy enough to check, and I will do that while I'm while we're talking here. Um, it was supposed to have cleared uh, uh, House Ways and Means Committee on Tuesday, and hopefully it, it House did. Transportation and Infrastructure Committee today, and then go straight to the floor tomorrow. The Senate. Uh, has not um, finished their work, let's put it that way, um, on the bill. And I would guess what's going to happen is uh, uh, the House will go ahead and pass its version, uh, send it to the Senate. The Senate will take it up and basically amend the House version um, with the Senate version. Um, 
past that differing version, and then the two versions will have to be reconciled in a conference. And uh, that's what uh, uh, will start perhaps next week. Mm-hmm. Well, in the meantime, the House uh, Ways and Means Committee already sent out an, uh, a continuing resolution, the CR, to keep the, the FAA running beyond uh, September 30 when the current law expires. And uh, they did a couple of interesting things in Ways and Means on Tuesday. One really intrigued me. Uh, they passed a, a companion called H.R. 3539, and it was a tax code modification that dedicates, this just blows me away, dedicates the increase in avgas and jet A fuel taxes to go solely to air traffic control modernization. It blows your way in a good way or a bad way? blows me away in a good way. Yeah. It blows me away in a good way. We've been hearing, you know, all about how we don't have the money to build the next generation air traffic control system and, 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 and progress to the new system, which, of course, nobody really knows about because they haven't really defined it yet. But everybody knows it's coming and we're going to get one. Uh, so to... Uh, not leave that tax increase free in the uh, in in the FAA funds to be used for things that don't advance the cause of modernizing ATC for the, the Ways and Means Committee to decide that they're going to give the FAA the tax increase that they say they need to uh, pay for the new system, but then they're going to attach conditions that uh, say that that increase that increased part of the tax bill can only be used for ATC modernization. Now, the tax increases is going up from 19.3 to 24.1 uh, for uh, uh, Avgas and from 21.8 to 35.9, a full 14 cents, uh, 14.1 cents for Jet A, uh, which is I think designed to satisfy the airline's contention that business aviation doesn't pay enough mm-hmm. by just saying, okay, we're going to raise your fuel taxes higher than we're going to raise them on the guy that flies the uh, single and, and twin engine piston airplane because they're not spending the money you are if you're flying a turbine aircraft. And that's, that's, that's kind of proportional, I guess. Uh, what the bill did not do, much to everybody's satisfaction, was give the airlines the tax break they wanted on their fuel tax levy or, or change the uh, uh, excise tax on airline tickets. Mm-hmm. Is the tide turning? Uh, well, the tide was always pretty much with us in the House, don't you think, Jeb? Uh, pretty much. I mean, the, the, the bill was, I mean, the, the FAA proposal, I should say, was basically declared dead on arrival. There was only <clears throat> one member of the House committee who really carried it, tried to carry any water at all for the administration bill, and that was uh, um, Micah of Florida. Yeah. Uh, I, forget, I forget his first name. I, I've met him before, talked with him. Uh, otherwise, pretty good guy, you know, from an aviation standpoint. Um, he's the uh, ranking member of the full committee on the House side. Um, everybody else basically, you know, said stick a fork in it. It's done. You know, let's move on and let's let's try to do something real. On the Senate side, um, you have, uh, uh, I believe it's McCain and uh, um, Rockefeller, uh, who are basically or, or a few months Rockefeller ago. Rockefeller and Trent Lott. That was it, that's started. right. It was Lott and, and Rockefeller. That's right. Who basically said, um, we're going to draw a line in the sand, and anything beyond that line, if you want an FAA bill this year, it has to have some user fees in it. So that's kind of kind of diametrically opposed to each other, and uh, it's going to be an interesting little uh, um, uh, time here, an interesting few weeks as to how this comes out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's kind of intrigued me that on the whole Senate side, we've been hearing largely silence, yeah. both from the people who voted for it, 
uh, from the people, the two people in particular that insisted on the user fee. As all of this stuff is rolled out out on the house side, and as outfits like the Aviation, uh, uh, the Alliance for Aviation in America, have rolled out and kind of, uh, if you would, uh, put some perspective on how deep and widespread opposition to this user fee idea is beyond the general aviation community. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, it, that's really been substantial in my mind. Uh, that there's been really silence on this. There's even been silence, if you will, uh, largely among the publications that cover this. When they mention the, uh, the S, uh, what is it, SB 1300, they don't go beyond saying that, the, you know, it's got a user fee for IFR turbine aircraft. And they don't talk anything at all about the expressed intransigence, if you will, of Rockefeller and Lott. Right. I think everybody's trying to let it die down so these guys can gracefully, tactfully save face when they change their minds. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to think that... Um it's been awfully quiet over there for guys it that has. felt so strongly about their position to mm-hmm. lead with their chins back when they did this. Yeah. And I know that one organization in particular was not all that plussed with uh, Senator Lott's perspective, given that that organization gave him one of its highest awards not too long ago. <laughs> so uh, uh, that, that organization's name begins with the letter A and ends with the letter A, and that's all I'm going to say. Oh, boy. Uh, <clears throat> I can see that. that well, there's AAA. There's AIA. <laughs> uh, ATA. ATA. <laughs> There's American Motorcycle Association, AMA, AMA and the American, American Medical, Medical Association. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But uh, uh, the message here, uh, folks, uh, from Jeb and Jack and me is that this ain't done yet. Uh, big your time house yeah. member would probably feel warmed and, and gratified and, and comfortable voting for the House Bill 2881. If they heard from you yet one again, once again that it's the right thing to do and is proportional and, and, and works for you as a GA pilot, uh, conversely, that same phone call to your two senators to say, no way can we live with that 1300. It's a, it's a step down a very slippery slope to something that's really ugly and counterproductive and doesn't make the money anyway. And look at how great a deal this House bill is and that it raises taxes on all these rich dog private pilots like those of us flying our $18,000 Aronkas around to the uh, to the French Riviera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's proportional to all of us guys and the business aviation community. It solves the funding question for the next generation air traffic control system. It goes farther for the funding than the FAA has gone and defining it and telling us how in the hell it's going to work. But, you know, they'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. call well, your senator. Say, no way, Jose. Yeah, two, two quick points here. One um, fairly easy and, and one perhaps not so. Uh, I mean, I've just been poking around here on the House website. Um, I can't find uh, anything specific saying that the rule uh, um, and, and all the, the necessary uh, steps, the check boxes have been checked uh, to move this bill to the floor beginning tomorrow, but that does appear to have been the case. Uh, as I say, I just can't find the specifics relative to uh, uh, them having done all of that today. but you uh, I would said you least... couldn't find the Pacifics? Specifics. Okay, that too. Specifics. I can't You're find the, the Gulf Atl- of Mexico, man. I normally can't find the Atlantics either, but... Uh... Uh, Oh, I see where you're going with this, Dave. Okay. I just thought you were abusing his speech affectation. uh, I have a a speech affectation. Uh, Anyways, yeah. Not not specifically. So, Jim, it's going to get hot the next week week or so on this subject. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But here's the other thing. Um, One of the... um, um, this bill, the House bill, anyway, is perhaps in danger of uh, being veto bait. 
uh, vetoed by the White House. And that has to do with a provision in the bill, or at least in the earlier version of the bill, I don't know if it's in the final one, relative to um, controllers, air traffic controllers, and their contract with the FAA. Um, the House uh, was, is trying to kind of roll back uh, some things that the FAA has done over the last handful of years relative to the, the relationships between the FAA, uh, air traffic controllers generally, and NATCA, uh, the National Association of Air Traffic Controllers, the uh, Controllers Union specifically. Um, the White House is not happy. Uh, the FAA, DOT are not happy with some of some of the things that the House would like to do. Um, they may well uh, recommend these provisions as veto bait, in which case all bets are off. Um, it's it could this could go to Halloween mm-hmm. uh, before it's all uh, before oh, all I the shots. I expect it to go. I expect to go December, man. I I don't I don't that's, know that that's it'll, what an optimist I am. Yeah, it, it could well, um, uh, it, and it certainly could get into November very easily. Uh, it, it all kind of comes down to, you know, th- as far as the overall scheme of things, the FAA bill is kind of a pimple on the butt of progress, as I like to say. Um, uh, <laughs> um, there are hey, larger, you know, when you, when, when, there when are larger you, fish to fry out there. Let's put it that when, way. As, well, when you're stepping on yourself all over the place in foreign enterprises, uh, you know how much attention are you supposed to pay to? Uh, well, I, I, I really do expect this to get into December. It's going to rim wreck timing for airport grants, uh, for uh, program funding, uh, but it may hold things up enough to actually be in sync with the FAA releasing an NPRM about how it's going to make this transition to the ADSB slash Loran-based system of the future? Well, yes and no is a quick answer, because what what they would normally do uh, if they have to go to a continuing resolution here, uh, and we're talking a lot of congressional inside baseball, and, and our listeners probably don't give two two uh, hoots in hell but uh, um, what would what could likely happen is the continuing resolution that will would get enacted would continue quite literally kind of the name for it last year's uh, or, or I should say the current fiscal year's funding levels into the coming fiscal year beginning October 1 so sure. yeah some airport grants would be made the FAA would be able to buy paper clips. Um, those uh, FAA employees would uh, who who deserve raises and are scheduled to get raises would probably get them, uh, with the proviso that uh, uh, there will be a bill that kind of lays all the uncertainties to rest here in the next in the in the yeah. next few weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, stranger things. Well, it's have not happened. that the trains won't continue to run, but there there'll be this there'll be this ongoing degree of uncertainty uh, because nobody will be willing to commit to things that require committing a certain amount of money until the amount of money is certainly known. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, Wow. I can't believe I got that out right. Next couple weeks will be interesting. We'll talk more about it. Honey wheat. Honey wheat. (laughs) Honey wheat. With With that in mind, guys, let's put... I don't know. It was very lame, so I guess we're just going to pick it up where we left off here. And uh, where did we leave off? Oh, honey wheat, right. Honey wheat, that's right. We're talking specifically about honey wheat. Honey wheat, right. (laughs) For our listeners' benefit, I don't know whether I think we we just cut a chunk out. uh, And just kind of in full disclosure here, we cut a little chunk out because we had a little little housekeeping to deal with here. And and so we were talking about all kinds of juicy things that we're not going to share with you, but oh well. Anyways, honey wheat, that's what, that was the line in Kugel that I liked while we were out in Oshkosh. And yeah, we I, were drinking it on tap there at the charcoal pit. That's right. So I need to go that searching. That evening after the podcast of Palooza. I need to go searching for some honey wheat for my Thursday evenings. So We've one got of, it here. One of the things, I'll have to come over. You're in uh, the neighborhood. On, on the way to Ponca City, I'll, I'll get me some honey wheat. There you go. 
One of the things we talk about a lot, um, uh, we hear from a lot of listeners who are not yet pilots but would, would love to become pilots, and uh, we do our best to find resources to help them. Um, our friends at the EAA have come up with a new resource that looks pretty interesting. Um, I'm going to do a brief summary of it, and then I'm going to let you, I think, Dave, you know a little bit more about this. Um, EAA has launched a new electronic newsletter called Reach for the Sky, um, an e-newsletter that will help people start making those dreams of flight a reality. Uh, from their little press release, their story on their website, they say, this online newsletter focuses on the basics for those who want to get started. What do I need to know? How much time does it take? How much will it cost? Where do I find a good instructor? So it sounds pretty interesting, an electronic newsletter. I don't know if you need to be an EA member to subscribe to it, but you should be anyways, by the way. Even if you're not a pilot, you should join EAA. It's a great organization. And, they uh, didn't say anything in the press release about needing to be a member. Yeah. Which, uh, but Dave, you called our attention to this. Do you know anything more about it than uh, than what we're seeing well, here? Basically looking at the web page right now, and uh, the, uh, the whole idea here is to provide a dedicated resource to people that are learning to fly or interested in learning to fly or interested in having their questions about learning to fly answered. Uh, you know, the EAA very wisely launched off on this uh, uh, million kid Young Eagles program back in the early 90s and celebrated going over a million kids in 2003, the 100th anniversary of aviation. And the programs continued and has added hundreds of thousands more first flights to kids for kids. But uh, there's still more that needs to be done. And a lot of those kids from those million plus, million, 300,000, I think it is now, uh, have gone on and learned to fly and having aviation careers, some of them. But there's a whole lot of other folks out there, you know, our age to uh, Generation X that have the uh, the ambition and the, uh, you know, I hear it over and over again. One of these days, or you know what I'd always thought I'd like to do? Uh, man, if I had a buck for every time somebody's told me about that and then proceeded to tell me why they couldn't learn to fly. Uh, well, EAA's trying to help tear down some of those barriers to learning to fly by providing this newsletter with resources and places where you can get questions answered and, and, and meet up with other people that are interested in flying. And, and from what I see, it doesn't require EAA membership. Uh, so, uh, of course, you can you know figure that you may get pitched for EAA membership if you, if you use it, but that's a small price to pay yeah. and, uh, and for a great and resource. Yeah, it's, it's worth, worth joining. It's certainly worth paying them back for the for the efforts they uh, or for the information they give you. So uh, don't be afraid of joining EAA. Yeah. No, you know you got some great benefits. Uh, they put out a great magazine. Uh, I'm looking at okay. I'm looking at the Search for the Sky EAA's Learn to Fly newsletter, the sign up form on the internet site. And I'll make sure that Jack's got this link to, uh, to to post it. But there's nothing here about being an EAA member. All it asks is, are you 13 years old or older? And your email address. And you get to proactively, affirmatively subscribe or unsubscribe and submit your request. So I'm going to sign up for it here just because I figure I never stop learning new stuff about flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, while you're clicking the buttons, uh, so we got a, uh, speaking of student pilots, uh, we got from listener Bill from Georgia, um, a, he called our attention to a candidate, and I think a good candidate, for off-field landing of the week. Uh, this is from a story on the uh, Channel 11 11, 11alive.com a website. This is a uh, NBC television station someplace. Websites are so terrible about not saying where they're located here. But uh, oh yeah, they assume, they, they they somehow assume they're like the local newspaper that only local people will read it. And right. yet they put these things up knowing that people all over the world yeah, can read yeah. it. So here's a story. The headline is "Pilot Brings Plane Down in Field." I'll read you the first couple paragraphs. A small plane carrying a student pilot and an instructor made an emergency landing in a field in. 
in North Fulton County late Monday morning after the aircraft suddenly lost a cylinder. The student pilot was on just his third lesson when the, okay, so this doesn't happen on every every student pilot, okay? Don't let this scare you off, all right? You know? Yeah, student, don't go learning to fly if you think you're going to get real life engine out experience on your third flight. Right. Student I mean, pilot, it, it, it don't, don't think that on his sixth flight, something like this is going to happen again. The student, right. pilot, student pilot was on just his third lesson when the plane had a mechanical failure. The pilot of the Cessna 172 Skyhawk contacted Briscoe Field in Gwinnett County because he thought he would have to bring the plane down there. However, when he realized he would not make it, he aimed for the field. And he made a very apparently very successful uh, uh, forced landing in a field. There's a picture here of the 172 sitting very calmly in the field, looking very undamaged and uh, um and there's some great. Uh, there, I mean, it's a great story, and uh, we'll put the link in the, in the show notes. But uh, both both the instructor and the student were ambulatory. They got up and walked away. Uh, one of them is pictured here smiling. Uh, um, some of the quotes, though. Uh, I know. This, just, <laughs> I know. And I, and I'll let Jack. Do well, that my favorite is my, found this. My, well, my favorite. Well, Bill found this, but uh, okay, listener well, Bill well, found this. But uh, but my favorite quote. So there's a bunch of quotes from uh, from neighbors who, who who saw this thing happen, you know, and they were all very complimentary. You know, good job. We're glad everything was fine. It looked very safe, kind of thing. But one uh, one young girl, um, uh, her, her quote was, uh, "I'm so glad that he didn't hit the cows." That's <laughs> <laughs> no ball. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like, you know, the airplane was saved, the people were saved, but it would have been not worth it if the cows had been hurt. I don't know. Well, as much as my hats off to, uh, as much as my hats off to the pilot, uh, the flight instructor that brought this thing down, uh, my heart really goes out to the young man Sam Rissler. They told yes. the story, who ran home to tell his parents, "Mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, an airplane just landed in the field across the street." And apparently what he got was, come on, kid, don't be lying again, because they didn't believe him. <laughs> they didn't believe him. They don't listen to me, he said in the story. And the poor kid was right. There's an airplane in the field across the street. <laughs> Mom and dad, pay, pay a little bit more attention, please. And young, uh, young, young Sam is a credible witness. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So we don't know what's going on in the past, but this time he had it right. So please, mom and dad, pay a little bit more attention. That's right. So congratulations to uh, to uh, instructor well, and student pilot. And uh, as I say, unfortunately, they didn't give us the identities. Yeah, of they don't the, have their uh, names here, but uh, of the uh, pilot and the student. Uh, oh, they do. They do actually. Do you see? Uh, it? No, no, you don't. You're right. They don't. Yeah. Um, right. They, I thought they, they they would have that in the in the caption here on the on the on the no, photo. No, they even show they, the guy, but they don't have his yeah. name. That's, you know. Yeah. So, anyways, and congratulations. I, I, I got it. You know, I got it. Boy, the student was one of the bigger guys in his neighborhood before. He's going to be a big shot now. Yeah, yeah. really. I, I have to remember back when I was a student pilot, you know, and and the times that my my instructor would, you know, kind of surreptitiously pull the power on me, you know, to uh, simulate a, you know, and, and I'd always look over to him, you know, kind of like, did you do that? You know, yeah, is, is that so. real or did you do that? You know, and and can you imagine, you know, if you he the student was a little further along in his training, you know, and, and but Jack, you know what the correct answer from the instructor is? It, 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 yeah, what's do what? Did, did what? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's pretty much what my instructor would do, you know. But 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 imagine the scenario here. Okay, so imagine this incident happened further along in this student's training. Okay, and they're flying along, and suddenly the engine starts to fail. You know, and the student looks at him and says says uh, you know Did you do that? And the instructor goes Do what? And he goes No, really. Did you do that? You know. So like, <laughs> yeah, you, you waste five hundred feet of gliding altitude trying to argue about whether or not the, the instructor pulled the mixture. Or yeah, something. you know, it's it's speaking from primarily ultralight and light experimental experience losing 25% of your horsepower is generally pretty easy to define yeah it's an attention getter yeah. having a cylinder come off the case uh, that's bound to be a bang up you know attention getter yeah although we don't know the the story used the phrase lost the cylinder uh, but that yeah. might mean that just the cylinder stopped firing i mean it doesn't necessarily mean that you know so i mean that's there's a, had that had that happened to me in the in the leprechauns 150 uh -huh. in 1976 spirit of 76 150 oh, yeah. uh, was on my way down to oklahoma to photograph some stuff on the ground had a buddy of mine who's an inactive pilot with me uh 
hot day, uh, low altitude, uh, trying to zoom through some traffic and zoom and 150 are kind of, you know, incongruous. <laughs> but uh, when we finally got through the preliminary part of the of the trip, I started climbing up to a reasonable cruise altitude. Uh, I like having all the options that a mile below you can give you. And the uh, engine started running pretty hot, oil temperature-wise. It got up to the bottom of the red. And uh, so I leveled off and started coming down to let it cool down a little bit. And then the uh, one cylinder stopped working. Come to find out, the uh, rocker boxes seized up, and the valves just weren't opening. So it was getting spark, but it wasn't getting air or fuel. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, Did you make we, it to an airport? I did make it to an airport. Uh, I was about 15 miles from Dead yeah. Cow, uh-huh. where we'd started, and I was at 5,000 feet. And I did a long, continuous 200-foot-a-minute descent all the way back to Dead Cow and got it on the ground without incident. Uh, I was really tickled that, the, uh, that I got there uh just before another airplane took the runway to take off because there was no way in hell I was going around. Right. Yeah. It just occurred to me, that's what the girl in Fulton County was all concerned about, all right? She's heard us talking about Dead Cow International, and she's... There you go. She's glad we didn't hit the cows. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. No, what have a cow, man. Yeah. yeah, Dave. What what's your what's your you you blew the opportunity here. You know, when when Jack said, "Well, you know, what'd you do? What'd you do? Did you put it down?" You're supposed to say, "Well, well, no. We crashed and I died." <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to confuse anybody at the NSA. Well, there's that too. There's that too. That's a great yeah, off-field uh, landing of the week, though, and it's like so many other little little things that befall GA. The walkaway rate is much higher. Mm-hmm. than most other forms of aviation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing here, too, is I have to go back, and I've already closed that, that window, that browser window, but I, and I have to go back, and there, were, there was some uh, verbiage in there about the airplane rolling through a barbed wire fence and, and from yeah, the, yeah. The, the picture in the... Uh, uh, Under some power lines, crashed yeah, through a barbed wire uh, fence uh, and skidded yeah, across an open field. It, it's sitting there on its on all wheels. The propeller is is stopped. The flaps are down. Obviously, the the pilot and, and student or the instructor and student got out of the airplane and walked away. Uh, the punchline in all this is that may not even be reportable as an accident or an incident, and may not enter the statistics. That's true. That's interesting. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Although that- the engine the engine loss is reportable, I believe. Well, yes and no. My engine failure, partial engine failure, wasn't reportable. Similar instance, I needed the bird on the ground yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I still had some power. Um, but uh, going back and, you know, I read, went back and read NTSB Part 830, and it was not a reportable event. Yeah. Period. I'll be damned. Yeah. And, well, I- and I, don't, I don't know that this one would be. Yeah. Well, congratulations to the instructor and the student pilot uh, for successfully getting on the ground. And thanks. We hope to- the we hope the student continues. Absolutely, exactly, absolutely. Now, if he can get through this one, it's probably never ever going to happen to him. <laughs> and thanks That's right. to you've been uh, disaster proofed. Thanks right. to thanks to listener Bill from Georgia for uh, calling us to our attention. We love it when uh, when you folks send us this stuff, and uh, please keep it up. So next week is a a big week in the aviation industry. It's the uh, annual. Uh, National Business Aviation Aviation or Aircraft Association Aviation uh, yeah. Aviation yeah. Association's uh, big annual conference and expo and so forth. Um, Their sixtieth anniversary. You guys are both going, right? That's yes. Correct. What's What do you expect? What are we, What's going to happen? Oh, not much. <laughs> yeah. um, they're just going to be talking about reauthorization and the new administrator and you know light oh jets yeah man i mean that's there's going to be stuff on vljs there's going to be maintenance forums uh there'll be some sessions on uh tax law changes there's going to be some sessions on the new uh customs and border patrol proposals for uh Entry into the country by GA aircraft, which is something we're going to talk about in a future podcast, because uh, we don't like what they're proposing. Uh, well, big not surprise. only leaving, not not only entering the country, 
but leaving the country. That's right. Let's save that for another day because we are running short here. But tell us about MBAA. Oh, well, it's going to be massive. Uh, Hotel reservations uh, associated with the convention are over 40,000. That's a record. Uh, They have a record amount of uh, exhibit hall space sold out. Uh, they do not have a record number of aircraft in the static display, but I believe it's going to be a record in terms of real estate used for the static display. Uh, still going to be 115, 120 aircraft on the static at Fulton County Airport. Uh, about 1,200,000 square feet of exhibit space. Uh, everybody who is anybody in any aspect, segment, pie slice, or DNA slice of business aviation will be there showing, selling, buying, learning, uh, including Jeb and me. Yeah. So now what hat will you be wearing down there? Uh, I'm going to be wearing a couple of hats, uh, including uh, uh, my good friends at World Aircraft Sales mm-hmm. uh, and and one other. So yeah. they're, okay. they're promoting independently. So. Yep. And Jeb, you're going to be there too, right? I will be there uh, on basically on AvWeb's behalf. AvWeb will be doing um, daily uh, updates uh, on the show. Um, begin. We'll do a, a preview um, in uh, uh, the the normal regular Av Flash that appears on um, on Mondays. Uh, we'll be doing a special edition of the Biz Flash. Uh, that will appear on Tuesday. Uh, we'll do a similar edition on Wednesday in in um, readers' mailboxes on Wednesday, and then the Thursday issue of uh, the regular Av Flash uh, will also obviously have some NBAA content in it. So. Uh, my plate will be full also. Yeah, uh, really. I'll, I'll be there, you know, uh, as I say, working specifically on, on that project, but I'll also be there wearing uh, uh, Aviation Safety Magazine's hat. Yeah. Now, like you last know, year, we're going to try and do a, a, a special episode of uh, Uncontrolled Airspace while you guys are down there. Without, <laughs> without boring our listeners with all the little nitty-gritty detail, have you guys worked out uh, a time yet when we might be able we, to do We this? have not. Um, and uh, the last last thought I had on this was that something O-Dark early, maybe Thursday morning, might work best. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that's looking like the best pro- yeah, problem. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll talk more about that offline, but uh, to our listeners, uh, once again, we're going to have a, a little spot. I'm still going to be stuck up here in Boston, but uh, but both you guys will be down there, and if any other of the UCAP gang are, are on hand, we may may pull them in too and, uh, and uh, get a little special look at uh, NBAA this year. And then uh, the following week is uh, AOPA Expo, which is in my neck of the woods. I am going to that one. That's in Hartford, Connecticut in two weeks. And uh, Now, Jeb, it sounds like you're not going to make it there. I'm not going to make it to AOPA. I, I, I have the option. Uh, I could go. It's I've just got my, – my plate runneth over. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I've just got too much going on uh, to uh, to pop up there. If it were closer – uh, I would give it greater consideration, but uh, it's it's just too much right now for me. Yeah. Now, what's the latest with you, Dave? Are you going to make it up to Hartford? Uh, I'm still working that angle. My ambition is to be there. Yeah. And uh, I have a feeling that one way or another, I'm going to pull that off. Yeah. So. So one way or another, we're going to try and somehow we're going to try and do a special episode well, during that week as well. But uh, more on that later yep. on. Well, the end of our allotted we'll, we'll time. We'll cross here. that taxiway when we come to it. Exactly. Uh, That's true. That's true. Shoutouts. Anything else you want to call attention to before we uh, wrap this thing up? Uh, this weekend, the big uh, uh, antique cars and ragwing fly in at Lee Bottom Flying Field in Southern this Indiana weekend, yeah, near Madison. Uh, wish that I could be there. Uh, one of these years, it's not. It's it's going to happen on a date that doesn't conflict with something else that. I need to do, uh, but uh, lovely spot, uh, great part of the country. Uh, there's an arts festival going on in nearby Madison, Indiana, uh, and it's not too far up the river from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, so if you happen to be in the in in the vicinity, uh, worth dropping into. Jim, Very cool. I don't have anything to add um, except um, uh, just kind of reiterate uh, what we talked about earlier. Um, 
guys, sincerely, and, and uh, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but if you have not talked to your members of Congress about your user senator. fees and members of Congress, uh, House and, and Senate, uh, if you're not talking with them about user fees and the FAA uh, bill, you're not going to get a better time. And if you wait too much longer, you're going to lose the opportunity. So if you feel strongly about any of this one way or another, and, and you know, my, my, my mind is made up, I... Uh, you know, if if nothing else, we do have opinions here. You know where we stand. But if if you if you disagree with us, you know, more power to you. Uh, pick up the phone, and and call and express that view also. Um, but but just just add your name, add your voice to uh, uh, to the process, and uh, let people know who let the people who who actually have a, a, a role to play here. Let them know how you feel. Yeah, we've ne- we've never overtly advocated that everybody feel the same way that we do we have repeatedly overtly advocated that people sound off however they feel yeah we're not shy about expressing yeah. how we deal so. This this is this is certainly a Jane you ignorant slut moment, but um, um, you know guys really I mean this is this is what why they call it a democracy and if you if you don't participate uh, if you don't make your views known uh, on these topics then uh, you you can't really complain too much about what happens down the road. Uh, and when I say Jane, you're ignorant slut. Of course, I'm talking about the old uh, uh, point counterpoint skits on Saturday Night Live uh, with Jane Curtin and uh, Dan Aykroyd. And, yeah, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> rock and roll, rock and roll. Thank you, Jeb. You can learn more about Jeb and his work at jebburnside.com, also aviationsafetymagazine.com and abweb.com. Dave at uh, davehigdon.com and myself at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. So uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you all again next time. Shiny side up, folks.